Oh, that's better. I'll, I'll just stay here. Yeah, that seems better. No, that's better already. I think you must have been bumping the cord. Yeah, probably. Okay, right. cool. <sighs> ah, la, la, la. Like the warm up before a singing mm. show. <laughs> okay. Hi everyone, welcome to Belgarian and Beyond. This is the show where we explore magical worlds chapter by chapter, beginning with the Belgarian series of books by David Eddings. This is season two, episode eight. This season we're reading book two, Queen of Sorcery, and today we're diving into chapter seven. My name is Sandra Turnbull, I'm from the Goddess Kindled Universe, and I'm here with Alicia. Hey guys, glad to be back again. <laughs> Um, yeah, exciting, exciting times to get into the next chapter. I'm really starting to, uh, enjoy. Yeah. I look forward to reading the next chapter now. Cause I'm kind of like, this is just a nice little escape from everything else I'm doing. Yep. 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 Cool. Um, yeah, I, I like this chapter too. It's starting to get like, you can feel the, the momentum of the adventure kind of picking up a little bit. Yeah, and even the characters, like, getting deeper in with mm. them. Mm -hmm. It's been nice, so. <sighs> okay, well, let's get straight into Pogar's Cup. Yeah. How you want to go? Oh. Yeah, I, go, I can go first. So I usually go first, so I'll you let do. you go. <laughs> go on. No, no, I say I'll let you go because I usually go first. Oh, oh okay. So you can go first. So my potion this week is a, a large, wide cup of something pungent and thick and smooth and creamy. Pungent because I'm obviously eating something that really does not agree with me because mm. my belly has been smelly, smelly. And like not since I was eating gluten has have I been so fucking stinky farting all over the place. Really, it's ridiculous. Okay. Oh, and like, you know, the rumbly tummy, oh, it's uh -oh. so uncomfortable. So, oh. so that's just been annoying me to the point where I <laughs> started taking charcoal, activated charcoal yeah. after every meal, which seems okay. to actually be helping because I'm not, as far as I know, I'm not eating anything that I shouldn't be eating. I'm not eating anything that I haven't eaten before with no problems at all. Yeah. So I just don't know what it is. Sometimes your body might change and then all of a sudden it can't handle something. It has yeah. handled just fine for so long. Yeah. I know I've gone through that. Well, it keeps popping into my head that soy milk, the amount soy. of soy the amount of soy milk and soy products that I'm consuming has increased. And so I, I wonder be. if that's it. Do you, can you have some milk? Soy, I can't do soy anymore. Uh -uh. What does it, it do to you? It does make me, my stomach rumble a little bit or it makes it crampy or okay. just not, I don't feel that, that good. Yeah. I don't do soy at all. I only have almond milk or coconut milk. 
uh, if I get cheese, it's almond milk cheese. Okay. Well, I, that has like that has been popping into my head and we shouldn't ignore our instincts. People instincts are important. And my instinct has been popping that idea into my head frequently in the last week. So um, I think that maybe I'm fiddling with my microphone. I hope nobody can hear that. I'm thinking yeah. that I'll switch to rice milk because I actually prefer it. I don't like soy milk at all. Mm. So I'll just, I think I'll up the rice milk and lower the soy milk. So yeah. that, and, and, and the smooth and creamy part of the potion is because I started painting again and I've, I've started a, um, a Van Gogh inspired swirly, you know, like night sky with stars and a moon and big sunflowers. Um, yeah. Just the, the way that the paint feels when I spread it over the paper is like thick and slick and creamy and really mm -hmm. sensuous and I just love it. I love, love, love it. So um, it's been a while since like I started this painting. It must be a, few, a couple of months ago at least. Like I did the first two layers and I've just done the third layer yesterday and I haven't done any today, but I'll definitely pick up my brush and do some more tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll put a I'll put a photo in the show notes um, yeah. of the program. Wherever I'm up to tomorrow, I'll take a photo and I'll put that in the show notes for everyone to have a look at. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's good to have that outlet away, another form of creativity away from your like main yep. creative endeavor. So yep. that's and how what's your potion look like this week? I Mine has been pretty sweet overall, but there's a little bit of saltiness, I would say, uh, at the bottom towards these last couple of days since our last week together. Um, but overall, like this whole past week is going really well. Like I, I finished up my book. Uh, I'm still doing a proofread. I still got to do that. But it's ready enough that I sent it off to advanced readers. And that's been really fun. And you got to help me with that, uh, formatting it for them. So that was really awesome. <laughs> I really had so much fun doing that. It's been ages. Yeah. Yeah. And you're so quick. Yeah. That would have taken me like all day, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was great that I spent the morning, like sending that out to, to those people and the, some of them have already started reading it. So it's so, it's, it's just great to like actually see people, like anxious to get a hold of it to where they're like, Oh, I'm going to read it right now. You know, as soon as they get it. And so that's the first time this is, that's really happened. Uh, Cause this is book two in a series. Yeah. So people already know this world and the characters. So they're mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, I want to, I want to see what's going to happen. So that, that's what I focused on was getting that ready. And the other thing that happened was um, we had a really good weekend. We we're out by the water a lot. Um, by the ocean that was really nice the weather was like perfect but Monday morning yesterday morning I woke up with like you're talking about a rumbly tummy like mine was I don't know if it was something I ate or if I have a virus going through me but I it was not good I don't usually have that I don't usually have that tummy anymore since I've gone gluten-free dairy-free I don't usually have any issues with that stuff but yesterday morning and throughout the day, I just did not feel well. My stomach was, all I could eat was like rice 
um, tortilla chips because <laughs> they're gluten-free. I didn't have any like gluten-free crackers that were just calming to the stomach, you know? So I've just been, and today it still feels a little bit off. Maybe it's the face of the moon. If we're both responding like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I met up with a mom at school too who said she's been having the same stomach feeling. Hmm. So I don't know. People say there's a virus going around, but my, my kids are fine. Yeah. Ethan's fine. So I don't know what it is, but that's just been, hmm. you know, there. <laughs> I hope you feel better soon. Yeah, it's getting better. So listeners, if you would like to um, join Alicia's Advanced Reader team, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to Alicia's website and the information that you would need to do that. If you want to receive her newsletter, if you're into fantasy stories and amazing adventures, that's what Alicia writes. So I'm going to put a link in there, especially this episode, um, because we're celebrating the release of the second book in the Raven Dreams series out into the world. And that's a big deal for a writer. And so we're all going to help Alicia to celebrate that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, you can just, on the contact page, send me a message and let me know you're interested and I can send you a copy. And, and two, like, I've been, I've been nerding out since last night because my cousin, too, sent me an updated um, cover. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was dying when I saw that. It's like, how he, every time he tops himself, every time. That just made me, I, I was feeling kind of icky last night. And so that just kind of made my evening. Fantastic. So it's just all been, like, Popping in these little things around my books has been great. It's exciting. And I'm just, oh, congratulations. Thank you. Okay. I need you to be Garion for us now and give me his view of this chapter. Okay. I hope I remembered everything because there's like the bulk of the chapter that just kind of stood out to me. But what I wrote is that, and and remind me how you pronounce this new character's name again. The night? Yeah. Mandarellen. Mandarellen. Okay. So we learn more about Mandarellen and the membranes. Since he's a membrane, we get a little bit more like kind of look at what that really means. Um, and then the company is like traveling further along on their journey. But there's, they get out of the forest and they, the, I guess there's this like expanse of land it's just kind of flat so they can see that there's smoke rising and there's actually a war going on um, that's blocking their path. So they have to approach this war. Mander Ellen says that he can basically defuse it if they just let him take control. So we see all that happen. And then the chapter ends with Lelderin actually, because he's so ill, they're, they're talking about leaving him there with these people who become their allies in the end of the chapter. So that was kind of sad. I was like, I was just starting to like this guy. <laughs> now they're going to leave him behind. <laughs> uh, yes, very well done. Well, I'm, I've lost my book. I'm just going to open it up. Okay, so when we, when we start the chapter, we start with a lovely description of Sir Mandarellen, Baron of Vomandor is his right. name and title. I know that you're not really into the, the physical descriptions, but did you, did you use that to build your picture or did you already have a picture that you were perfectly happy with? 
I, before this description, I had a picture of, I don't know, he was like an overly large man that was kind of fumbly, but, but skilled when it mattered, you know, like he knew what to do, what he needed to do. And then he obviously was attractive because he was making Aunt Pole get all flustery. So I, I kind of just envisioned, you know, it was kind of like a, you know what I was thinking of and I didn't even realize this. <clears throat> and not that I, I would ever consider a cartoon character attractive at all, but. <laughs> no, <laughs> never, never. <laughs> I was envisioning in Shrek, I think it's Shrek 2 when Shrek turns into a human form. Have you seen that one? He he swallows some kind of a potion because he thinks. To remember what he looks like. He thinks that Fiona will love him more if he's Prince Charming. So they find this person that gives him a potion, and he drinks it and turns into this supposedly attractive man that the women all swoon over. <laughs> That's what I was envisioning. Okay, I'm gonna have to Google that picture now. <laughs> But this guy clad in armor instead of just in regular clothes. But yeah, I guess it's pretty close to this description. So he's black uh, hair. Yeah. Blue eyes. A resonant voice. I do love black hair and blue eyes, I've got to say. Yeah, me too. <laughs> or green eyes. Blue or green with black hair and like, like really light yeah. pale skin. So he's, he's written as not as a man of slightly more than medium height. So he's not a huge man. Um, mm -hmm. But I think he seems much bigger because he has this resonant voice and he expresses his firmly held opinions quite, you know, loudly and assuredly. And he has this towering self-confidence as described as an egotism so pure that there was a kind of innocence about it. I love that. <laughs> yeah that's a really good description because you get a really clear vision of what that would look like to you yeah because we've all met someone. those kinds of people in our lives haven't we mm -hmm. yeah that was a good description then and then gary and just kind of really being so annoyed by him the whole <laughs> he time like, he really doesn't like his attitude and he really is annoyed by the way he talks it's really overly formal these and thous and and but i think there's a little bit of jealousy in here because mandrallen is really flattering towards aunt paul and aunt paul is perfectly willing to accept all of these flatteries and pronouncements at face value and I mean, I think there's always an element of, you know, possessiveness between a child and their parent, mm -hmm. you know, and too much attention yeah. paid by someone that the child does not like, that's not okay. Yeah. I think there's a um, bit of that in there. Yeah, I think so, for sure. And I think, too, he also might be a little bit protective of, like, I don't know if I quite trust you yet, and she's taking all of these things at face value, but I don't know if you really mean everything you're saying to her. <laughs> like, you're just throwing words out there, and, and who knows if you really mean them. Yeah, it could be that, too. So, but, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely some, he just doesn't like the whole situation. It's just not good. <laughs> yeah. So they but he's also supported by like 
by the fact that Barrack and Silk and the others don't seem really thrilled about him either. No. So, yeah, there's this, none of them are taking to Mandarellen like straight away. They're um, like it really, even more so than Lelderin, who was different, um, but he didn't have a different way of speaking. And I think that the fact that he's got this very different way of speaking really marks him apart. So perhaps, perhaps if it was just the way he spoke or just the huge self-confidence and, and this arrogant way of being in the world, but putting them together is just too much mm-hmm. for everyone. And yeah. so, you know, the, nobody really wants to have much to do with him. They all think he's a bit full of himself. <laughs> And as they're riding along, I think what really compounds their dislike of this new person, especially Garion, is the way that he seems to be so unfeeling towards Laldoran. Yeah. He's not really helping the situation because Laldoran is already uh, not feeling well. He's already in all this pain. And then this guy's just coming and like saying these things. <laughs> it seems so heartless in a way. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it it, do, it does, and I mean, and, and Lelderin like doesn't like membrates anyway. Like, yeah. there's a huge prejudice against membrates. Mandarin, he may have that against uh, Lelderin as an Asturian, but he's more mature. He's older, I think. We get we gather and more yeah. able to behave. Uh, acceptably like uh, publicly like just not not um be outwardly antagonistic towards Lelderon like I think he's uh, I think it it could be that he's being kind you know and you know like buck up young man basically you know well that's the thing is I think he's trying to help like in his mind I think he's he's trying to help Lelderin, but you know, Lelderin can't see that in the state that he's in, and uh, with the judgment judgments he already has about membranes, it's kind of just like you know, when you're feeling like that, you don't want someone in your face, especially who's, who's talking really weird in your mind, saying things that, that just don't make sense to you. <laughs> well, um, there's this part in here that I wanted to just pick apart a little bit with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm still on the first page, but whatever. Mandarin <laughs> says to Lelderon, after a particularly bad bout of like pain, and Lelderon's like left gasping and moaning. Mandarin says, This discomfort of thine is but an illusion. Thy mind can put it to rest if thou wouldst have it so. Now <clears throat> Something that really uh, burns my ass in the, you know, air quotes, spiritual world are people who say really, really thoughtless things along the lines of pain is an illusion. It's your fault that it's there. You could get rid of this if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. 
Now, whether or not all that is true is fucking beside the point. This is the experience the person's having and you're being an income, you know, you know you're, there's no compassion going on, you heartless asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Go yeah. back and learn your spiritual lessons yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that line caught my attention too because a lot of the reading I do in my books and, and like spiritual books I read, uh, talk about that. Mm-hmm. Don't, definitely don't word it in a way that it's your fault, as as it sounds like he's doing here. You know, and I don't think he meant it that way, but it is. It's kind of like, and there's times where I am like when I had this upset stomach yesterday. It's kind of like, well, this is if this is just an illusion, you know, because my body and my spirit is separate from my body technically my spirit is who i really am not my body like seeing it in that light it makes sense to me but mm-hmm. at the same time when you are in the middle of it if you're not if you're not open to it then nobody telling you it's an illusion is going to help anything like and even if like, you are open to it yeah you know even if you are open to it your spirit you are a spiritual being having an experience in a body there's something going on with that body and it's uncomfortable and you are if you're fully experiencing the reason that you're here the big you with the capital y you know the you of spirit you're fully embracing and embodying this experience that you chose to have then defaulting to but it's all an illusion because i'm only spirit is bullshit because we're not only spirit Mm -hmm. we are all of this yeah yeah i agree um i think i think it is it's it's like it's like being able to lean in lean into you know and it's almost in his situation it's hard because he was attacked and that's why he's not feeling well but, but for us in like our daily lives, usually we're not feeling well because we're not paying attention to something and our body's trying to be like, hey, hey, you need to like fix this or not fix it, but you need to, you know, there's something you're not, you're not taking care of yourself or maybe you need to rest today or, you know. Although in um, like people who deal with ongoing like chronic pain, like for yeah. me, my experience with my hip the times when I did, you know, soften into it, lean into it, mm-hmm. the pain was actually much less than when I tried to escape from it. Right. And I think that's, that's what's meant when people say discomfort is an illusion of the mind. It's more of like you're making it worse by resisting mm-hmm. it so the, much. by the resistance. Yeah. And if you lean into it instead, then it's still going to be there, but Mm. it won't be as intense and you'll be able to heal quicker. But a really huge lesson that I have had learned quite painfully several times over the last couple of decades is that when people are ready, they will ask. Right. It is not for you to tell them when they're ready. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's really hard lesson. It's been a really painful and hard lesson. Um, yeah. It's, but it's hardest as a mother. Yes. <laughs> mother. Oh, God. Yes. I can't imagine once they get older how hard it's going to be. But 
It is. It's it's yeah. like you have like I, I have my own beliefs. Like I could definitely see where he says the discomfort is an illusion. Like that makes sense to me. But I would never go around telling people like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> chronic, chronic disorder you have or whatever it is, it's just an illusion. Yeah. Like, think differently and it'll be better. Like I don't I never do that stuff. Yeah. I just, I just focus it on myself and, and test it out on myself to see like, is this really true for me? Mm-hmm. You know, do, do I really see the truth in this? And, and there have been times where I have. And so. And that's the, but, that, that's where the value is. I think moments like that come up and we get to go deeper into ourselves. Yeah. And Not I think that's try and make someone else go deeper into themselves. Right. And that's the point of spirituality is, is to go within yourself and stay there, not worrying about anybody else. Like here, uh, Mandarellen is, he seems to have like a spiritual side, I guess, but he's <laughs> pushing it on other people. Just like we don't like it if somebody in a specific religion tries to come and push that religion on us. You know, it's the same thing with spirituality of just, you know, the mind mm. and, illusion or whatever our thoughts are an illusion type of thing that's still a form of religion in a way oh absolutely if people can and then and then it becomes not not as uh not a way to spirit anymore it becomes a way yeah. of dogma yeah um, but yeah so that was just that was just an interesting i thought well well it says a lot about him though as a character just that one line and i mean i, I know like, that we're i know that we're really digging down into it and putting all of our own stuff on it you know but yeah well I think it's perfect because this moment here with Mel okay I'm gonna get his name down eventually Mandarin the way he is here and then what we see at the end of the chapter I really liked that so I feel like he purposely made this guy so obnoxious right here Mm -hmm. so that he could place that exchange between him and Gary and at the end of the chapter. I think the thing I like about Mandrell in this chapter is that he's true to himself and he's standing in that center that he is sure of mm-hmm. regardless of what's going on around him. I think that's not such a bad thing to, yeah. to go for, but yeah, he really offends Lelderen and Lelderen basically says like, just go away. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see you. And uh, Paul says, yeah, look, he just needs to rest. He's really not well. Just stay out of his way. Right. And then Mandolin goes right off to the front of the group and rides out in front where he, he can't be seen. And then Garion's talking to Aunt Paul, you know, having a bit of a whinge <laughs> about Mandolin. <laughs> and then, you know, he doesn't like him and all of these and thous and and I think it sounds stupid and just being such a beautiful teenager. He's just being so gorgeous here. <laughs> um, but then, he, you know, while I was talking to Aunt Polly, they, they, he touches on the thing that the, the Grollum said about Aunt Paul and Torak and Gary wants to know what that was all about. And Aunt Paul sort of dismisses it, you know, saying it's just something Torak said once when he was raving and the Grollums took it seriously. And I think what they're talking about here is the bride, like I think Polgara being the bride of Torak or something. And she's just really flippant about it and just brushes it off. And it's just something they say, something they believe. And then Garion starts talking about the prophecy. 
and feels all tingly and special when he thinks about, oh, that word prophecy. <laughs> and so uh, this is the Mirin Codex. Is that Mirin uh, Codex? The Mirin Codex. That is the prophecy. That's the one they're talking about at the moment. And it's got lots of, it has many different versions and it's very old. Yeah. And um, it's interesting here. Did you catch the, the companions that it mentions? Yeah, the bear, the rat, and the man who will live twice. So tell me, what does that say to you? <laughs> this line actually made me laugh last night. That sounded really weird coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I was like, did I just like, talk gibberish or something? No, no, it's perfectly, perfectly good <laughs> words. All in the right order in everything. That's <laughs> <laughs> a positive. <laughs> Did I just use words? <laughs> oh my um, <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah. The, world no, of, the world of an author, my darlings. The world of an author. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading this book at the table last night while my daughter was doing some of her homework. And um, this line, I read it and I started laughing out loud a little bit. And she was like, what? I'm like, well, I'd have to explain all of it for you to understand why it's funny. But what I did is when I read it, the bear, the rat, and the man who will live twice, I was like, okay, so the bear is, um, what's his name? Barak. Barak. And I'm like, so then that means that the rat is uh, silk. <laughs> it writes the silk. I'm like, it has to be. And then that made me laugh because I was like, he does feel kind of ratish. Yeah. <laughs> and I just assumed the man who will live twice is scary and at this point, but... I don't know yet. Okay. There is actually, I will tell people, there is an Easter egg about the man who will live twice. Okay. Back in book one. Hmm. Way back early in book one. So there you go. I'll have to go back and see, like just scan my brain and see if I remember later. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so these are the companions that the Marin Codex, the prophecy talks about. And it's been touched on before that Mr. Wolf has, is sort of gathering these people together to satisfy the prophecy. Mm -hmm. And so he thinks it's important. And it's funny, you know, grandfather thinks it's important, doesn't he? And now Paul's like, yes, well, your grandfather has a few very outdated, no, curious notions and old things impress him probably because he's so old himself. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that was good. They get cut off with this conversation yeah. because of, of Lildren. Yeah, yeah, so he's still in pain. Yeah. And so they, they get to the Tonedrin hostel where they're going to spend the night, you know, put Laldoran in a nice warm room. <clears throat> and Gary, they all go to bed, but Garion's so worried. He's down the hallway, you know, six times or so in his stockinged feet. I just love the images that the language conjures up. Like Garion padded worriedly down the dark hallway in his stocking feet, you know, it just makes me see what he's wearing, you know, the leggings and the tunic and all the, all the loose shirt over the leggings and, mm -hmm. you know, like every good fantasy world. Yeah. It, <laughs> this kind of fantasy world. Yeah, just good imagery. Yeah. And they keep going the next day and they get to the Arendish Central Plain. So they've finally gotten through the forest down on the southern on the southern border between um, Asturia, no, Arendia and 
Tolnidra. So they've come out of the forest and they're still in Arendia, but they come out and there's a, this war going on. And um, Mandarallan calls it, names it for, as, as, you know, he sees the column of black smoke and knows it pretty much what that means. This is an interesting little interaction when he rides, when he says, look, I'll just, I'll just go and just wait here and I'll go and find out what's going on. And Barrack's like, hang on a minute, you know, you can't just go off by yourself. And he's fuming and saying, oh, I better go with him in case there's trouble. But Leldoran is the one who um, advocates for it not being necessary. Mm-hmm. It seems like Mandarellan has created like a legend of himself in a way, because, you know, Leldoran is the one who is basically like, we've heard of him. And no, no sane man would stand in his way. No, he's and the so, most feared man in in Arendia. So he's he's obviously not just all talk, right? <laughs> yeah, his character is funny to me. <laughs> so he sort of he goes off to find out what's coming going on, and then he comes back, and there's a war, and it doesn't make any sense because the two barons involved are you know best friends, and they're related to each other. And Silk wants to know if they can go round it. And Mandarin's like, no, it's too big. I can buy us passage, though. Dernie thinks he's talking about money. He's talking about challenging them to a a contest at arms. Uh, That's obviously the way it's done here. And it's all very courtly. And there are specific rules of engagement. Yeah. You know, like if I, you know, further on, he talks about, to the people that he's challenged, you know, that they, you know, he, re- he recalls them to the rules when they start to make a fuss. But then, <laughs> then Silk, Silk asks, what if you lose? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. He's, he's just, a, he's like, what are you talking about? I wouldn't lose. <laughs> me? Not me. Yeah, he's just like, that's so bad. No, I'll just do this and then we'll keep going, loose. <laughs> <laughs> so then it cuts in some jousting poles and they go on down to where the the battle is happening. And Mandarin requests that Barak act as his like um oh what's the name for it? Challenge. Mm-hmm. Like he wants Barak to deliver his challenge. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't think they gave a name to it, but no, it's like the I don't know, but he, he asks Varric to do that. And they ride down and, and Mount Mandrillon sounds his horn and then Varric, you know, issues the challenge and does it very well, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a little surprising to me. Like, yeah? That he, yeah, I mean, I guess he's, he's, he's well experienced in that stuff, but I've just never seen him do that before. And I guess it's the fact He's, it, he does it so in such a courtly manner, like it's, mm-hmm. it's not really how, how, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, it's a bit out of character, but not really, but yeah, I can see how it's a bit out of character, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because his response is that I've always had a way with words. Mm. Just yet, I haven't really seen that. Well, okay. back in when they were in Valalorn and he was telling the story of Garion's adventure with the kids on the slope where he punched the nose of the foe and the bright red blood flowed and the 
chased maiden off with the kiss and and he had everyone laughing and you know he's spinning this tail so he he does have that way with um with words i guess i guess that's an example of where that has showed up before yeah so then they just go on to uh, you know they they get people to volunteer to to battle him and see yeah. you know if, if they win so both the men oh sorry the men who accept the challenge sir alter rain and sir derrigan that i think they're like the head dudes that you know they're the people who live in the opposite castles that are doing battle with each other they're the the noble men yeah and then they're they're surprised to find out that these guys don't even remember the insult that caused this war they're just killing each other now yes right? yeah one of the one of, uh, one of the nights <laughs> there is a quite insulting to Barrack and to Mander Allen as well, calling Mander Allen a bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, and Barrack wants to know, says, "Are you going to take that?" <laughs> and Mander Allen's like, well, "Yeah, well, it 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 it's, it might be true. We just don't know." <laughs> so <laughs> this dude's related to me, and he throws it in my face whenever he can. Since it's unseemly to you know, fight with your family here. And Barak's like, yeah, well, not in my country. We do that with just with even more vigour than, you know, strangers. And basically, you know, do you mind if I take care of this? And he pushes the guy a bit further and he he gets insulted again and so knocks the dude off his horse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a few funny moments in this chapter for sure. Yeah, but then he does. He actually does like the jousting thing with with one of the guys and basically knocks him till he's blue in the face. Well, he yeah. knocks him off the horse with the jou- and then they and then with the sword. Mm-hmm. Then gets into him with the sword. But the way that it's all done, it's like very um, jovial almost. Like there's no there's no desire to hurt or kill. It's it is competition to Mandarin. It's not yeah. a like a I want to kill these guys. It's just a like t- to best them. Yeah, and it's his comments too, Mandarin's comments about all of it. Like as he's doing it, he's kind of like talking to them. It feels yeah. really lighthearted to him. Like yes. this is a serious matter. It's like we're making this fun, and I'm gonna win this. It's a game. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then when so when they just before they start the um, joust. One of the knights tries to interfere mm-hmm. and, you know, stop it all from happening. And then Garion says to Heta that one who was going to draw his sword was a Mergo. And Heta says, yes, I noticed. That was interesting. Yeah? Well, that little exchange about, oh, that was a Mergo. I didn't see. I, I knew it was going to mean something, but I didn't know what. Mm. Till we got there. <laughs> Till we got there. So they get into the competition and Mandarin bests both of them, knocks one of them out and advises them to put him to bed for a few months and he'll be just fine. And then the other one, so Alterain, he gets knocked off his horse on the first pass and breaks his leg so he can't go on, but he's perfectly coherent. Yeah, so he has no choice but to yield. And, you know, of course... The, the Mandarin and his companions are free to uh, continue their journey. And, but then 
then the Mergo comes in. So this part, I think I might have gotten a little confused, but so does, <clears throat> so he's already beaten these two guys mm -hmm. and the Mergo approaches them or is it that Aunt Pole needs, Aunt Pole needs to, steps up to, I guess he's, he steps out, right? And then Aunt Pole is the one who approaches him. Yeah. So, so okay. the Baron, uh, so Alterain says, yes, you can go freely. And then the Mergo comes in, not just yet, and pushes his horse through the crowd of other mounted knights until he was directly right. in front of Mandralin. Right, 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 right. I was trying to find the page. I just found it. <clears throat> yeah, I liked this part because this is where I was like, I didn't know this was coming at all. Hmm. Um, that what happens with Aunt Pole, she, it's confusing to me at first. I was confused about what was really happening. Um, but it, it seems like she's lifting the spell that this Margot has put on these people. Right? Is that uh, what happened? What's happening? Okay. Well, so what happens is the Grollum basically challenges Aunt Paul mm -hmm. and he starts weaving magic and sending magic at Aunt Paul and like this green light that comes around her and she just sort of flicks it away. Like she's just being really uh, dismissive of this dude. He's obviously thinks he's much more powerful uh, than he is and she's not worried at all. And you know, saying things like, you must be out of practice and would you like to try again? So she's mm -hmm. just standing there solid and he's throwing this magic at her and she's flicking it off. So then, yeah. So she didn't actually do anything to him. It's when Dernick comes in. Yeah. So she's just, she's just flicking off the magic that he's throwing at her, but he's, she's not actually throwing any magic back at him. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't pick that up in the text, what was really happening there, but um, makes sense. So Dernick decides to like jump in this cause he, she's getting attacked, right? And he's like, you will not hurt Aunt Paul or Polgara. <laughs> yeah. Lady Polgara. Yeah, uh -huh. so, so Dernick's, uh, you know, the Grolum skinning rages throw this last big magic spell at, at Aunt Paul by the sound of it and then Dernick has ridden up behind him and smashes him in the head with his axe a couple mm -hmm. of times until he's, you know, senseless on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what breaks the spell. Okay. And Aunt Paul is delivered. Like, she's just, like, very angry at Dernick for putting himself in harm's way. Yeah, I like that exchange, I think. You know, her first reaction when something is on the verge of, like, breaking her heart, her her initial reaction is to be very angry. Yes. And so I, I sensed that when she got angry at him. And then later, obviously, the conversation they have of, where he's apologizing and saying, like, I just, nobody can hurt you. I will, I'll protect you. I'll do anything to protect you. And then... She kind of just immediately softens and tells him, like, she basically doesn't want anything to happen to him. She doesn't want him to get hurt or, yeah. you know, and she appreciates him having that determination to protect her. And he's very stubborn about it. Like, <laughs> no one is going to dissuade him. Yeah, that's cute and it's sweet. So and Garion um, sort of looks away. He's got a lump in his throat and he sees Mr. Wolf with a very brief sly smile across his face so um 
you know, you can imagine like watching your daughter. Yeah. You know, with someone crushing on her so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I think she's going to come around to Dornick. I I don't know that they could ever actually like make it work because they're, they're just so different, but I think they're going to have moments. It's going to be a lot like, um, 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 Aragorn Mm -hmm. and Arwen. Oh yeah. Because she's like this elven who, this elf who lives on and on. I thought they did end up together. They do. They do. But it's it's a long battle to get there, you know, of this like, her dad doesn't approve. Yeah, true, true. She's supposed to go off to the island place where the elves don't die, but they like leave. True, true. Middle Earth. Okay. And anyway, so the spell is broken. And everyone seems to wake up from a daze or a dream state and really are quite confused about why they're fighting at all. So Ultron's like, God, what have we done? Mm-hmm. And Mr. Wolf explains that they'd been under a spell. It wasn't their fault. <clears throat> and it was the Murgo. And um, Ultron orders the Murgo in chains. And Wolf says, yes, he's not really just a Murgo. He's a Grolem priest. So... He's taken away in chains and they really don't like sorcery. So um, they're, they're, something very dire, I think, is going to happen to the Grillen Priest. He's not going to be alive much longer by the sound of all that. Yeah. And then he's like, how can we thank you? And in the end, um, Mandralin requests that he take care of Lelderin for them. My whole impression with all of this was just that I understand definitely like that that he can't be traveling on the road in that condition. And so it made sense. But at the same time, it was, I felt like Garion's sadness in that of like, you know, they're friends now and he's got to stay behind with these people that they don't know. Mm. Um, like Mr. Wolf knows them and Mandarellen knows them, but I don't think Lelderin does very well, at least, and Garion definitely doesn't. So it's kind of like leaving him with strangers. Well, they, well, they can... are strangers. They've not met them before. Right, right. And so um, it was just, yeah, a sense of, of like sadness and then the whole kind of arguing back and forth of like, no, 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 you can't, you can't leave him here, you know. And then this Aunt Paul's interactions with this girl who's supposed to care for him hmm she like pulls her aside to talk to her about something yeah I thought she was gonna try to talk her out of letting him stay oh interesting but I was wrong because he ended up staying like yeah. I thought she was on Garion's side oh, okay Mander Allen asks for Lelderon to stay and Lelderon's like there's no fucking way I'm staying with a bunch of Mimbrates yeah. I'll just continue on with you. And Mandarin's quite hard. Like, no, you're going to delay us in your condition. It's, you can't, you can't come with us. And he's like, and Lelderin sort of gets all stiff and like, oh, you're quite right. Yes, you're quite right. I'll just take a horse and I'll, I'll go. And the young lady who is Lady Ariana, who is the sis, the younger sister of Sir Alterain, is the, she's 17. And a very accomplished young lady, 
by all, all reports. She's very good at taking care of sick people. And she's like, yes, well, I'm sure that my uncle can, or my brother can spare a couple of men to bury you when you die, because you will before too long. Yeah. And uh, then Aunt Paul takes, her, takes Lady Ariana aside and gives her the herbs and stuff that she's been treating Lelderin with. It's a very touching scene between Lelderin and Garion. You know, Lelderin's barely holding on to life. And Garion's just, his little heart's breaking because his friend has to stay behind. Mm -hmm. He's like, maybe you'll heal fast enough and you can catch up to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and Lelderin's like doing the dying declarations. No, no, I don't think so. I give you, I give you, I, I release you from your bond. You do not have, you know, you don't have to keep the secrets. You can tell Belgarath what you need to tell him. And Garion's very sort of stalwart. I don't know, stalwart is stalwart. Is that the, he's, he's very loyal. He says, well, I'll tell him, but I won't say anything about you. <laughs> yeah. And so the little bit of intrigue here at the end that we find out that Nachak, the Murgo who's been helping them to plot this, to kill the king, helping Eldoran and his, his friends to kill the king, he is actually the ambassador of Ta'urg. Ta'urg's. Oh, I say this really well in my head. It's one of those <laughs> names that I say really well in my head. The king of the Murgos, Ta'urg's. He is, the, he is the ambassador in the court of the king that they're plotting to kill. And so there's the little bit of political intrigue hmm. in that. Okay. Does that, does he understand that? I, no, I don't. <laughs> ah, ask me a question. <laughs> I don't know who that is. The name you said. Nachak. Well, him, yeah, he's the one that, that was bribing and laldering in them. Yes, giving them money for their plan. Mm -hmm. But yeah. he is the ambassador. Uh huh. In mm -hmm. the court of king, of the king of the of Asturia. Oh okay. Arendia. Sorry, I'm still not getting it fucking right. <laughs> okay, that makes. But sense. the other name, the one that I can't say properly, the king mm -hmm. of the Murgos. That's the first time he's been mentioned. Okay. Yeah. So you know they say their goodbyes to um. Baldurin. And then I don't know if I'm skipping anything else That's here. Fine. No, no, it's but fine. This is where Garion approaches Mandrellan about all the things that he had said to to yeah. Lelderin about, you know. Yeah. That that he thought were really, really harsh and really heartless, like he didn't care and he was just hurting his feelings to be cruel. Hmm. And I really liked um Mandrellan's response because he's still he seems just really lighthearted about all of it like all the time <laughs> but he said I think that you misunderstood like it was necessary in order to save his life because the Asturians are so brave yeah like I had to basically it's kind of like in a relationship when the one has to leave the other in order to keep them safe or something and they say something like I cheated on you yeah. I don't love you anymore yeah uh, so that they'll walk away, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So then Garion's perspective of Mandarellan completely changes in that moment. Yes. Which I thought was pretty cool. He's like, oh, oh, so you were saving him from his death by saying those things. Yeah. Which I kind of picked up on, um, but, you know, it not be 
is obvious to a teenager, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> so literal. Yeah. And so Mandrillon has this chance to explain and he doesn't, he's not, he says, it's okay that you don't understand me, but um, I'm glad that I got the chance to explain because we're going to be companions and, you know, misunderstandings between companions is not very comfortable. Yeah. And then they keep going. Yep. And I know Laldron's going to be back. I mean, he has to be. Because <laughs> you say so. Yeah. Because yes. <laughs> I will not be a happy reader if he's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very long series, so. Yeah. So it might be a while till he's back, but I have a feeling he's going to like pop in just when they need help. And he's going to be like, I'm here. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, that was Wolf's Wisdom, everybody, where we get right into the characters and the story in the way that we want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and the next segment we're going into is magic. What was your favourite piece of magic from this chapter? Oh, I just put the way that Mandarellen explains his truth to Gary and it changes his perspective of him, like what we were just talking about. Yep. I liked how he was just so easily and he didn't even take any offense. He's just like, oh, that. It's like, you just misunderstood. This is what I was really doing. Yep, 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 yep. I think that's kind of magic too. Oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> Changing up, change, influencing someone's perspective about something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my... Pardon? Oh, I was going to say, how about yours? Oh. My magic is when Janet clobbers the mega and breaks the spell. <laughs> I just love it. It's one of my favorite bits in the, in the whole story. That is a good moment. Just because, you know, it shows that you don't have to have special powers to do the right thing, to be mm -hmm. strong, to be powerful, and yeah. to be, you know, be effective against a force that is seemingly <laughs> insurmountable. Yeah. It's, it's great because I don't think he even really knew what he was up against when he went to go attack that. Did he? Did he know? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think that he has, a, I mean, he's not been around a lot of sorcery or magic. The only sorcery and magic he's seen is the stuff that he's seen since they've been traveling. And so yeah. it's not a huge, and so he doesn't really have a firm grasp on how it works or how he could be hurt. Yeah, that's the greatest part of it for me. Yeah. <laughs> He's still successful and yep. no idea how much danger he put himself in. Yeah, so yeah, I love that. I, I, really, I really like that. That was my favorite bit. And so for, and for personal insight, real life relating. The part where Art Paul is having Mandrell and request care for Lelderon. Um, and the way, you know, we were talk we talked a bit about uh, doing things in a certain way to create the situation or the outcome that you want. Um, I mean, I, I know that I've done that with my children when they were young, like putting, knowing how to phrase something or behave so that I didn't have to tell them what to do, persuade them not to do something they would do it because they thought that it was a good idea because mm -hmm. of what I 
the, the way that I behaved or the seemingly random comments or inconsequential comments that I would make or conversations that I would just happen to make sure that they could overhear. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's a skill. I don't have that skill very much. <laughs> I wish I did now that I'm a mother, but <laughs> it'd be useful. Yes, very useful. What's your personal insight? I chose the moment that Gary and Lildren have to part ways. Um, Cause it's like, it happens so quick and it's all of a sudden and Gary's just not ready. He's not ready for it, but he has to let go anyways. And I've been there, you know, but it was my decision. I, I knew I had to, I had to work up to it over like a six month to a year period to finally like part ways with somebody in my life who just wasn't good. But even when I was doing the moment I was doing it, I was just breaking down because I was, I still wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, even though I knew it had to be that way. So I get that feeling. Yeah. I don't, there's some things we're just never ready. Mm-hmm. You just have to do it. Okay. And now it's time for Prophecy Speaks. down a hashtag that I thought of yeah good I've forgotten again um oh shit I was sure that I'd remember you know and I can't freaking remember oh thought of it before hey was it something about Dernick oh let's make it about Dernick (laughs) yeah 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 let's do that uh clueless fearless (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there we go clueless fearless <laughs> okay so prediction uh, not prediction uh prophecy what am i doing in your book maybe what am I, book am i using oh yes okay who wants to go first you can go ahead i'm still trying to actually think of a question <laughs> okay so my question this week um, is expanding on the question I had last week about the new series that I had out, I was creating. So I've outlined the first book of the Magic Fluff series and I'm learning about a new outlining method at, right now at the moment this week. Uh, and I really, really like it and I want to test it out. So I'm thinking about using it to, to plot my, this novella even though I've just finished outlining it in my own way. And so basically it's just, it's not really a question. I guess it's a question. I want to know what, okay, let me be really specific. What would I gain by outlining this first novella with the new method that I'm learning? What will I gain by doing that? Yep. Okay. I'm using The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. 
which I still haven't read, but that's okay. Some years ago, I was as blocked as a Calcutta sewer. So what did I do? I decided to try on all my old clothes to show just how anal I can get. I put on every shirt, pair of pants, sweater, jacket and socks, sorting them into piles, spring, summer, fall, winter, Salvation Army. Then I tried them on all over again, this time passing them into spring casual, spring formal, summer casual. Two days of this and I thought I was going mad. Want to know how to cure writer's block? It's not a trip to your psychiatrist. For as Pressfield wisely points out, seeking support is resistance at its most seductive. <laughs> no, the cure is found in book two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's funny. Okay, uh. so basically, <laughs> I'm trying on all my clothes again. <laughs> So, I like that line that seeking support is the biggest kind of resistance. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so this it's very it's a very specific answer for me because I am giving this new method that I'm learning greater weight than doing it my own way. Mm-hmm. In a way, asking for support, asking for permission, asking for the right way to do it rather than my way. So yeah. mm-hmm. I think perhaps I'll just write the damn book. Yeah. Cause in a way it's also a form of resistance feeling like you just want to outline it one more time. Oh, st- totally. I'm so anal on that. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally like outline the shit out of this thing for the rest of my life. (laughs) Because writing those first few sentences is probably the hardest thing to do. Uh, That was funny. I like that one. Okay. Your turn. (laughs) All right. I'm trying to think of something. I feel like there's something tied to my writing that I can ask. What about your new children's series? Yeah, I guess I could just ask if, is it, is it possible or, or should I try to tackle the two stories at once? Like finishing the Raven Dream series while also beginning this other children's book series? Mm-hmm. Or just so, keep them? So it, it, tr- the way to phrase these questions if you're doing this at home is to phrase it so that the answer is not yes or no. Mm-hmm. So you might, you might be focusing on how this might be difficult or what would I get out of doing it this way? Or what position would this put me in by the end of the year? If I were to take on both, both projects at the same time, like what out of what I've just said, did anything spark? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's, I've kind of already decided that like, I just want to finish the series first. Okay. And then start that other one. But okay. 
Okay. Is there anything you need to know for your week off? <laughs> I guess so. I don't have anything like specific that's bothering me or that I'm curious about right now. So yeah, so after I finish The Raven Wars, it's published. I do want to take just a week to not write at all. So what would be, you know, the most productive thing, not productive, but the the best thing for me to do that week? <laughs> what do you need that week? Yeah, and uh, I'm using uh, The Adventures of Alice in Wonderland because <gasps> I finally got myself this book. It's taking me this long. It's nuts. Yeah, I haven't ever read it. I've just seen the movie. It's, it's totally nuts. I can't wait to read it. So I'm going to try to stay at the beginning part because the second half is through the looking glass. Um, let's see. Their heads are gone. If it please your majesty, the soldiers shouted in reply. That's right, shouted the queen. Can you play croquet? The soldiers were silent and looked at Atlas as the question was evidently meant for her. Yes, Alice shouted. Come on then, roared the queen, and Alice joined the procession, wondering very much what would happen next. It's a very fine day, said, the timid, said a timid voice at her side. She was walking by the white rabbit who was peeping anxiously into her face. Very, said Alice. Where's the duchess? Hush, hush, said the rabbit in a low, hurried tone. He looked anxiously over his shoulder as he spoke and then raised himself upon tiptoe, put his mouth close to his ear and whispered, she's under sentence of execution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll just stop. Okay. There. What'd you get? I don't know. I, I can go play croquet. <laughs> I got something. Okay, what'd you get? Well, what uh, do you want to have a... No, you... I, I don't know. Okay. I just, I know the scene. I remember the scene well. So you have a week off. It is okay to play and you do not have to be looking over your shoulder for anything bad mm -hmm. that might be coming to get you. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good point. I haven't, that's, that's, that would have been a good question. <laughs> what is something that I could do that would actually bring me like pure enjoyment? Well, we'll be recording again tomorrow. Yeah, so I can do it tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah, that's true. Um, learning learning to have fun more is yeah. becoming a focus for me. There we go. Perfect. Yep. Okay, cool. Prediction for the next chapter, please. All right, so the next chapter I wrote that Garion may be able to bond more with Mandarellen now because of the conversation they just had, but also because Leldrin isn't there. Uh, so he'll feel a little bit more lonely, I think. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what else. I'm not exactly sure where they're trying to go at this point, but I'm 
I'm thinking maybe they'll arrive someplace that, that is their goal. Okay. <laughs> that they've been working towards. Cool. And so the, the um, hashtag I've chosen for this episode, darlings, if you've arrived at the end of this episode with us, you can contact us on social media or on our website with the hashtag clueless fearless. And that's just for fans of the show who really love to geek out about all of these little things with us. And so if you want to find anything about us, you can go to belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com, which is our website. You'll find all of the links there. We're on Facebook and Instagram at belgariadandbeyond. And we've got all of the links to everything that we've talked about in the show in the show notes. And if you want to leave a rating or review on iTunes, um, that would be a really big help for us to reach more people and grow our community and give you more people to talk to about the show. <laughs> so, um, and I have been, I oh, beg your pardon, honey. I talked over the top. Okay. I've it's been okay. uploading. Chronic. <laughs> I wasn't saying anything important. I just said, it's okay. Okay, so I've been <laughs> uploading episodes of um, season one up onto YouTube. Yeah. And those videos are looking really beautiful. I've got some lovely pictures in there. So if you like to Chromecast or cast to your um, smart TV with a YouTube app from your phone, it looks really beautiful. Have a look and let us know what you think. Uh, I'm slowly, slowly getting all the episodes on. I'll finish it season one then I'll get on to season two and then after that um, I'm going to start loading up the the videos of our behind the scenes stuff and episode recordings onto Patreon and they will be available for patrons of the show and there'll be more information about that coming up over the next few episodes so something to look forward to I'm excited about that yeah i love patreon yeah so but apart from that that's us this week see you next week bye guys That's it. Under an hour and a half today. That's good. <laughs> I mean, the, the the time does come down a bit when I edit all the blank space oh, out, yeah. stuff like that. But like, we're averaging about an hour, like just over an hour <laughs> every episode now. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty standard though for this kind of podcast. Yeah. So I'm not stressing out about it too much. No. Hmm.